0: Radio Western.
1: Good morning, listeners. You are listening to Outlook on Radio Western here, or as a podcast. This is Outlook, as I've said, and I'm here with my brother Brian. Good morning, Brian.
0: Yo, this is a- another pre-record. We've been doing a mix lately of pre-records and shows from the studio, so it's interesting, kind of switching back and forth. But I, I do like it. It's nice to have both of these options here today, and. uh... Co-host Carrie, you have set up another Carrie connection, and I'm really excited about this one. Definitely a topic that we haven't talked about too much on this show.
1: Yeah. um, As we're sort of wrapping up the year here, 2021, if you're listening live on the radio, um, you know, we want to talk a moment more about art and accessibility. So uh, this is sort of a good one, one of the ways to end the year, I think. Uh, I've sort of been immersing myself in a lot of the art world more recently again, and I I love art and I always have, so I am looking forward to talking about it more with our guests today. Um, but yeah, it's a guess a Carrie connection as we call it. Uh, I'll ask our guest about that a bit.
0: Yeah, well, my well sister Carrie here. It's 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 interesting because we'll we'll get into this for sure. But you yeah. used to you've been able to see growing up a little bit more than me. We were both born blind, but I've always been just a little bit of light perception. But for for all purposes of this show, I'm practically totally blind, whereas you used to have more vision. So art, visual art was more of a thing for you. Um, And Mm -hmm. we'll definitely get into that amongst other things throughout today's episode.
1: Yeah. So let's uh, introduce our guest here today, Brian, Anthony Saldana from where are you calling in from, Anthony?
2: I'm calling in from Queens, New York, and it's a pleasure to be here on your show.
1: Queens. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. We're glad to do this.
0: Yeah, I've never been to New York. Carrie, you, you took a visit there a while ago, or a couple of visits there, I guess maybe.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I, I went to New York City about fifteen years ago. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was a bit of a whirlwind trip. It was all like on a long weekend, and so it was within just a couple of days. So definitely okay. not enough time.
2: <laughs> you know, and I've never been to Canada before.
1: Never. Uh, never.
2: I I just just this uh, summer for the first time I went to Niagara Falls. Uh, I got to see Canada from a distance, but because right. of pa- the pandemic and um, their restrictions, uh, they wouldn't let me in because of, uh, you know, their, uh, you know, COVID rules. But it's definitely on my list of places to go.
1: Oh, well, yeah. You So we're going to talk today about your film, uh, Straight Off the Canvas. And yep. that would be great if you could. Come to Canada in the future to speak more about that, or
2: absolutely
0: something Yeah, I know that open. Toronto, Toronto has some f- great film festivals, so maybe someday you could get into that. I think that would be uh, be awesome.
2: Yeah, I would definitely be open to that.
1: Awesome. So I guess, uh, yeah, it was a Max connection, I believe, right? You you know it, Max, it is. Well. yes,
2: yeah. Yes. So we had
0: him on this show uh, a few weeks ago, actually, uh, for <laughs> the first time, and then yeah, Carrie, like you pointed out, you. You met Max, and then Max recommended Anthony, and it's just—it's so great how how networking w- works like that, and you just make more and more connections as you go along. So,
1: so how did you meet Max?
2: Through Twitter, through oh. Twitter, he um, right. he liked the uh, the the Twitter page of uh, our film, and I I just looked at his website and I said, all right, I, I need to contact this man.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought too when yeah. I saw that. He's quite the character.
0: I've never met him in person, but I I met him a couple of weeks ago on the, on this show here. So uh, was- he
2: really is a character. I uh, I definitely look forward to finally meeting him in person and thanking him for uh, helping me uh, get the word out.
1: Yeah, no, that's and that's what we're going to talk about a lot today. Is that uh, you know this film. I'll ask you about it, but uh, in your own words, but of course it's, it's kind of like Outlook, our show here. And the reason why we want to have guests like you on Anthony is that we have lots of different audience, but you know, you're often asked, well, who is the audience for this project? Uh, You know, is it sighted listeners for Outlook? Is it, is it blind listeners? And um, we like to have different guests with different things going on on the show hoping that the radio Western here in London the university uh, the people listening to the radio station locally will get to hear what's going on and and a lot of them are university students or professors and things and they are involved in obviously so many different areas that whether it's accessibility or art or education right. um, so that you know this might interest so many people and then just for again we want people to see this film of course uh, not just hear us talk about it but um, it's also for blind audiences to see that there are other people out there making art, and that they yes. don't let let anything really get in that way their way. So,
0: right. And one one thing I'll I'll bring up, which is a, it's always kind of awkward to mention it because it's it's just a something that people don't often hear, but it makes me think, Carrie, of Leona's book when I say this. That today our guest is a sighted guest, and I say that because we're we're open to having both on the show, though we tend to have more blind guests but we've always we always say if it's someone who's sighted who's working with people who have disabilities or has any connection or just has anything that's interesting that that relates to blindness or any disabilities really we'd love to have them on the show so i just think it's great to get that perspective and uh we'll uh we'll get into more as we
2: as we go along here but i just like the and, and I, my... I, before i begin to speak about the film i, I thought that it was Important that I not I not tell their story from the third person perspective, and really um, let them tell their own story. And you know, I it was important for me to find you know these artists who want to tell their story and have them basically narrate. Their own story, and me just you know edit that together now I did do uh, audio description, you know, and I wrote it, performed it for um the film, and I'm really excited about that
1: mm-hmm. yeah, we'll definitely ask you about that also. we like to talk we love talking about audio description on this show, and i uh, as someone who, as I said, always loved art, visual at one point, and now other forms, I think that audio description is its own form of really cool art. So, but we'll ask you about that in a bit. Um, I guess we wanted to start by just getting you to tell us a bit more about yourself. Now, of course, this can be like a very open question. You can sort of frame it around what sort of what led you to this film or this subject matter, if you want, keep it sort of related to that. But feel free to tell our listeners anything you think maybe they might want to know or um, understand before we talk about the film.
0: And then the only other thing I want to quickly add to that as well is, just a question we do like to ask people, and this may come up in the answer of how you decided to, to make this film in the first place, or maybe not, is, had you met, were you around any blind people growing up? Did you have any, did you know of blind people through, throughout your life? Or is that more of a newer thing since putting this film together that you met blind people? So that's another area I'd like you to touch on.
2: So I'll, I'll uh, answer that question first and kind of work around doing uh, a bio about myself. Um, sure. No, I, I didn't know any, uh, blind people when I was growing up, uh, you know, I, I am farsighted and nearsighted. Um, and when I was growing up, I, I had a bit of like a seeing double vision a a bit. And I, I would tell that to doctors and they, they wouldn't believe me. Uh, only when I was an adult, did I actually figure out that I needed to do a, um, like an exercise with my finger and it would help, uh, you know, strengthen the muscles in my eyes. But that was uh, just an interesting little fact about myself. Um, I grew up in Queens, New York. Uh, I was always a creative, uh, you know, individual and um, basically got my bachelor's degree from Queens College and. You know, I it was a very broad, uh, you know, study. We, we learn like the theory of film and television. And I got to do some basic production work and directing. But, you know, once you're out there in the real world, now you have to navigate like how you're going to be successful in the entertainment inter- industry in one of the busiest uh, most competitive cities in the entire country and uh so i started to do work for just anybody who needed help uh on their production and that you know that was uh really a learning experience cuz you learn like you know there are produ- producers that don't have funding to pay the crew but you still want to you know you still want to be uh a good help on the set, but the hours are intense. You know, the hours are 16, you know, like more 12 plus hours. And after a couple weeks, my body was like, no, this is not the right schedule for me. And uh I learned the hard way after having like some health issues based on the hard work that I was giving these these producers for free. Uh had to learn I had to get a full-time job while while pursuing my, um, creative, uh, you know, endeavors. And basically from there, I, you know, started a career in customer service, uh, with first with Sony. And then, uh, after Sony was not doing well and was going to lay, lay off my department, I, I got a job with, uh, New York city's, uh, you know. 311 hotline and I've been doing customer service with the city for about six years now uh while I do uh creative work you know like my directing on when I'm not working for the city
1: right so yeah I mean the world of film and tv and I you know I'm sure that you know (laughs) it's quite the world to find your place in
0: yeah I mean we're we're all creative people here I mean I'm I'm a musician so I don't I I know what that's like the whole sort of balancing trying to find your passion aside from the fact that it's you can't it's hard to survive off of unless you get really really build up some some uh, notoriety so it's it's a tricky in, a thing but when you're it a creative is. person it's something that it's just part of you so I think it's something you can you're always probably going to do maybe I mean not not in every case but for me as a musician I feel right. like it's something right. I'll do you're
2: right.
0: until I die so I just think in carry you being a, a writer which also has a lot of creative um potential to it so i think you know we all understand that that balance and and the difficulties that that involves but at the same point it's totally worth it because it's it's what
2: we do it's it's who we are yeah definitely it's definitely (laughs) worth it
1: (laughs) so what 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 brought you to this topic then had you done a bunch of movies and was this an idea in your head for a while like this movie's been in the works for a long like it's been a process obviously like most Uh, of them I, i would think are
2: it it's it was definitely a process um to be honest it was really like working at a job where you're 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 not it's not your passion uh really sent you know when you're at a job that you're not happy with you start to get bored and you start thinking about things that you want to do and i i just started asking myself i wonder how blind people perceive art and, and, and it was just a really interesting question. So I, I went out and did some research. I actually uh, read a book by the name of Ordinary Daylight, a portrait of an artist going blind. And it was written by uh, the writer Andrew Potok. And it was really a profound book. It really uh, touched really impacted me uh, because it. it Basically, because I didn't know if I wanted to do or like write a script or you know do a documentary, and I just realized that you know in telling a story about a visually impaired person, you know I, I had a responsibility, you know to to you know represent them properly because they're not often seen in tv and in movies and if they are seen in tvs and movies it's not more in a in a realistic way it's it's more of like oh here there's always music in the background to make them you know if you the audience feel empathy or you know here's uh daredevil with a superpower Mm -hmm. so i definitely felt after reading that book that you know i as an artist that am desperately trying to make it in New York City, can use my skills to give an outlet to a community that's not often representative, represented on TV and, and film. And I realized that in order to do the documentary that I wanted to, that I'd have to do a, a documentary that served the community before I can do straight off the canvas. So I produced a documentary called We're Ordinary People, which was about the, the New York City's chapter, of the National, National Federation of the Blind. And it was really, it was really cool because uh, for about a year, I got to spend time with uh, members of the National Federation of the Blind. And it was really just a great opportunity to, you know, meet, some great people, and uh, learn about that community. and um, it it really s- set up this film straight off the canvas
1: and that helped you make connections. I saw that you had a screening with the National Federation of the Blind this past summer. was that? I did. Okay?
2: Yes, yes. And how did that go? Oh, it went great. It went great. Um, it was uh, we basically did it right after the um after the convention and uh you know we had viewers from all over the all over the country
0: i really do find it um fascinating when it's when someone like you and i mean i guess it's interesting too that you mentioned that the uh, the nearsighted and farsighted that you that you experience a little bit in, in the muscles and everything in your eyes so you've had some connection in that sense but just just when somebody does really gravitate towards a group that they're not part of like you know, it's of course it's great we want blind people to all work together as a community, but it's also really great when someone who isn't blind takes an interest as as much as you seem to have in putting putting together both of these documentaries that you that right. you talk about here. I just think that that's that's really inspiring and it's just great to see because you know, we do a lot of advocating and all this stuff that we that we go through, but to have someone else to work alongside an ally, I think helps yes. so much and I just think that's so great that's and it's right. all about inclusivity and having blind and sighted people all working together and I I, I love it. So thanks.
2: I appreciate that, Brian.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, like, and I think a lot of blind people of different levels will see themselves in this film somehow, but it's just a, it's basically a universal human experience art. So for people to understand who are sighted, who see it, that blind people want to take part in that experience just like anyone else. And so, yeah, having um, not just blind people talking about it and shouting against the wall having others involved allies it shows that you know it's not all we don't need to be separated we need to be included and if we can all learn from each other about experience I guess that's what film can do um, which I'm not sure if that's what drew you to it but that's what I love love about film whether it's a documentary or it's fiction.
2: Yeah I I think it was really important especially during pre-production I kept saying to my friend who was helping me that I wanted to have a sense of uh, community when we were filming. So I, I wanted to get the perspective of an, of an artist, an art teacher, a, an art therapist, and um, the nonprofit organization, Art Beyond Sight, which uh, is based here in New York City. And they assist uh, really to get museums to become more accessible. And, um, you know, I reached out to them first of, about, you know, the project and uh, they were really supportive right off, right. Throughout the first email, they said, yes, we'll be we'll be able to assist you. We'll give you everything we need, we need but we're not going to be the main the main subject of the, of the film. I said, Great. Now I need to find an artist. (laughs) And uh, I just happened to to do some research. And I found um, the New York Times had done a article about an art teacher who was blind. Uh, And her name was her name is Elizabeth Castellano. I reached out to Elizabeth. And within the first five minutes, she's like, all right, you come next week. I said, whoa, I appreciate that. (laughs) And uh, let's get to know each other. And uh, so she was, I knew within the first conversation that she was going to be the star of of the documentary. Uh, Elizabeth uh, was born blind and basically had surgery when she was a teenager. And she was always interested in art and basically uh, went to college, uh, you know, majored in art and in art education and became an art teacher in New York City.
1: Yeah, actually, listening to her her explanation of her um, her past and her history with her vision uh, and her vision issues, it was really interesting to me as someone who has gone through a bit of a journey too over the years with different reasons. Of course, there's so many different conditions that can cause blindness or can cause it to uh, progress. And certain conditions, there are procedures that can be done to uh, sort of pull that back a bit. I know I remember her talking about the um, describing what she saw, like the color her world was. And then when she had a certain procedure, then all of a sudden she could see the world in different color. And this is for, hard for even us to understand. And the longer I've been more totally blind than low vision, you really start to, and Brian who grew up never having seen color or photos or any of that, it's really hard even f- for us to understand. So we get it. It's just like, like we always say, blindness is such a spectrum. That when you say a blind artist, that can mean so much.
2: Yes, yes.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think that's something that like Carrie mentions. I I struggle with a little bit. I I, when I watched the documentary was I was trying to figure out kind of like how much can these people see? And again, it's it's it doesn't matter in one way, but it's just from my perspective, it's wondering, you know, like so for for like thinking about my past um, in elementary school in art class. I do remember like in the early grades playing with crayons a bit because they have that texture so you can feel them um, and I don't really think I did too much painting maybe a little bit but I more so remember in the in the later grades in elementary school and I was integrated into the the public school system so I was with all sighted uh, sighted people aside from my sister she was also in the same school actually um, <laughs> so in the in the later grades my, my art teacher was actually really good he would he would bring like a a statue of something and then a big thing of plasticine and he'd be like here try and try and recreate this statue or i remember one of my other teachers you know gave me some clay and and i made a clay dog like there were certain things that you know that you could do and make accessible but in my case it was definitely more tactile and that's not to say you know a a totally blind person couldn't do painting if they enjoyed it you can do whatever you want but to me when i hear about something like painting it's kind of like i'm sort of mystified by it it's like I don't know how someone could do this. And it's weird when it's, I'm a blind person and I'm questioning. And I guess that even ties into the the National Federation of the Blind. When I first heard about them a few years ago and I was at a convention in Orlando, as a blind person myself, I would see other blind people doing things and I would, you know, it surprised me sometimes to think, oh, I didn't even know people mm. could do this. So there's just there's well, so many.
2: One technique that she does is that she used really bright colors. Like her her favorite uh, color that she loves to use is red, like a bright bright red, mm-hmm. and um, and also she does have like uh, like a sand texture, so that you know she can also uh, touch the painting when it dries, mm-hmm. and and, right. and so it is a bit of a, a tactile, and and it's not the only art that uh, like the only uh type of art that's covered in the film um for sure and so there's sculptures there's um they were uh, using
1: balo- balloons at one point weren't yes they?
2: yes they were using uh balloons and uh one was creating like high heel shoes yeah with the pa- paper mache
0: and that's another thing i remember from growing up yes. a little bit we did i did some stuff with paper mache i think when i was pretty young and um and that's a nice fun thing when it's tactile like you say and it's It's really hands involved, and I think, you know, that's something any, of course, a blind person can do, and, and again, this show isn't about, this show is definitely about, you know, that we can practically, within reason, obviously, but for the most part, can do just about anything, as long as there's some form of adaptation, or things just have to be done slightly differently sometimes, but generally speaking, most things can be done, instead of, instead of having that attitude of, oh, what can I do, it's more like, how can I do this or that, right? I think that's a really and, and not only
2: not only that, but then taking it a step further, you can learn how to do it, and then you can teach somebody else how to do it, and it doesn't matter if that person is has has a visual impairment or not. Uh, so that's yeah. another lesson of the of the film as well.
1: So the film it also um, features a visually impaired teacher, Jessica Jones and her students at the Laval uh, School for the Blind in Bronx, new york. so yeah. how did how did you find them then?
2: Uh, So it's uh, the circumstances basically was uh, the Elizabeth had had an accident uh, and I had the accident forced her to retire. And this was before we even started the interviews. And I realized that, you know, I really wanted to to show a, a teacher in the school. So I had seen Jessica in another documentary uh, called going blind. And Mm -hmm. uh, I found her blog and, you know, I realized that she was uh, in the Bronx and I reached out to her about the, about the film. She was really excited about it. We did an interview and then it took three years of uh, proposals Mm -hmm. and uh, just waiting and it took a very like two to three years to get permission to film her students in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going, I'm, it was worth it. It was really worth uh, the time.
1: Yeah, no, she lo- she looks like from the film, like a really great teacher and just the way she talks about engaging her students and giving a lot of them the permission to just try and, and experiment things. And that's what art should be about. It's like yeah. a lot of not not always blind kids, but I remember. I, I mean, I've been a hesitant child too, and a lot of blind kids are taught to use their hands and tactilely explore the world and and things. Others are kind of shy from that, and people bring them everything they kind of need for the first few years of their life, and they don't. They're not encouraged to reach out and explore the world as much as they could be. And she just seemed really great about getting the kids to to really get in there and muck in and, and realize that they can. That they can make choices and have control, and uh, yeah.
2: Yes, uh, it, it, it's true because the the bigger the bigger picture is that blind people can um, be independent and as adults and have uh, you know be able to have jobs. So and and, and how and what she uh, how she approaches the class is that she wants to show them that you can li- you know in the future when you're an adult you can live in an independent life and you can learn these skills while in in this art art room.
1: Yeah, I just it was great watching her interact with the kids and I do have to say that as far as we we've talked about the few um grown stars in the film but I think the kids kind of steal the show a lot of
2: the time. Oh, oh, oh sure. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Indeed.
0: Yeah, they always have that they have that innocent just so interested in exploring and learning and and yeah just to see her her bond with with the kids there and 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 playing with the with the clay and and the um you know just all of the i think there was one i can't remember if it was was jessica or elizabeth in that case with the uh there was one arrange rearranging blocks for music that to work with one of her students
2: oh Um, yeah that was sarah Sarah that was that was
0: the music therapist yeah so there's yes the art therapist the art therapist sorry Um, yeah, I thought that was also really interesting, just something that, you know, you you learn to adapt and really work well with people and figure out what they want to do. And and that's the thing about art and all of these and this type of stuff. It's creative, and it's supposed to be open ended, whereas, you know, some teachers might be a little more strict, but that's not really the point. I think it's great when you are when you're very open minded. And, and, you know, just want people you want the people to enjoy the students to enjoy it and have fun. And then they'll they can get into it. Whereas if it's just like, okay, you have to do this. You know, that's right. not that's not very accommodating because everyone is at a, a, a bit of d- a different level. And I, Jessica mentions that a lot of the students that she works with and, and the um, Sarah, the art therapist, that a lot of a lot of people and it tends to happen quite often in the blind community, too, that people have multiple disabilities and a yes. lot of the, the, the children were, were nonverbal. But so, again, you have right. to there's not it's not really a one method fits all. Right. And that's the case in, for many things in life.
2: That's one of the reasons that, um, you know, we didn't have as many interviews with the students because they were nonverbal. But but they were, you know, in that classroom, like, you know, they were still bonding with Jessica, you know, and that it was really awesome to see um, the coming in the classroom in the fall. Or see them working on a project and then come back months later and see them uh, having an exhibition where they get to show the community the work that they did in the classroom.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things from your film, right? You show a few of their projects and things on their first sort of their conception stage and then all the way to their exhibits and
0: things. Yeah, mm-hmm. final production. Right so we are speaking today on outlook with anthony saldana director of the award-winning documentary straight off the canvas which is a documentary about visually impaired and blind artists in new york city we're going to take a quick break here today on radio western but we'll be right back with more outlook
1: there seems to be a growing conviction that federal government should at least provide education and fund to promote the schooling of children who are physically, mentally, or emotionally handicapped. Think of it. Probably 75% of all such children are denied the right to any education. Of course, we know how expensive special education is, but America should provide this advantage. So that's a quote from Helen Keller from 1961 that I came across recently. And of course that was before the ADA and that was before a lot of the legislation that eventually they got in there to enforce a lot of this stuff. But uh, we're here with Anthony Saldana to talk about your film straight off the canvas. It's a documentary. It's been making the rounds a little bit and we're hoping to get some more people aware of it. And so thanks again, Anthony, for being on Outlook today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: When exactly did you did you start this documentary? When did you start compiling compiling all of this?
2: 2011. 10 20, years ago. 10 years wow. ago. Wow. Wow, yeah. yes. Yeah.
1: And that's what's important to show about some forms of art that a lot, you know, a lot of art takes time to develop. What's so that you show that very well in the movie with these artists who display their artwork and things. And you know, the time and and effort and love and care that goes into this sort of thing including this documentary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what a long journey. And you said as the editor, you've seen every bit of it. And, you know, I'm not to say I wouldn't go as far, I guess, to say as you're sick of it. But as, a, as an editor oh, as, I love with it. writing, I know.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a labor of love. I mean, I wouldn't have done it uh, if I, you know, I, I if I didn't love it. Exactly. Um, I uh, I got my master's degree with, with this uh, project. So this is my master's oh, okay. degree. Thesis.
1: All right. Yeah. See, there's where timeline can come in. Um, of course. Yeah. No, it's great that you can learn on um, as you do the work. And let's talk a bit about this audio description, as I mentioned before the break. So, you said growing up you weren't really around blind people. When were you made aware of audio description?
2: I would. I know that that's Netflix does have some uh, programs that are audio described, and not all of them. I know. Some of them need to be. Uh, I definitely listened to audio described, um, you know, programs as I was, you know, editing uh, the film. And uh, once I, it was time to really distribute and reach out to these wonderful uh, organizations in in U.S. You know, the one of the first questions they'd ask is, "Is there an audio description?" And I, and I basically said that, that you know I'm I'm still working on it, and uh, you know I went to Elizabeth Axel, who is the um, basically she is the uh, the owner the, the the creator of Art Beyond site that I that basically once again that organization works with museums to um, become accessible, and she has produced uh numerous of short films over her years so I, I figured that's the right person to get some advice and she uh gave the suggestion that uh the type of audio description that would be beneficial in in the documentary would just be like to a description before uh somebody sp- like the interviewer speaks and because i feel i as an editor I, I felt like you know I had really compiled the or like edited the the film where each person says something and it's very succinct, and I didn't want to cut it off with with the audio description. Uh-huh. So um, it was a, a it was a great process, though.
0: Yeah, I think that's really neat that you, you did the audio description yourself and, and you wrote the, wrote the script for it as well, I imagine. I did. And yeah, Carrie, you, you've you been studying this a little bit more than me. Obviously, I've grown up listening to movies and stuff with audio description. And, and like Anthony points out here, that now that it is being incorporated into many shows on Netflix and, and this kind of stuff, more people will at least maybe come across it somehow or hear about it or, or see that it is available. And it, it is becoming more and more popular. But... Carrie, you were mentioning before we went on air that audio description itself is a, is an art and there is a lot that goes into it. So, yeah, it's 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 really cool that you took the took the challenge to do that and and that you got some advice and 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 reached out there and Carrie, I don't know if you had any more kind of thoughts on that because I know it's something that's really been very important for you the last few years.
1: Yeah, um again, it's a tricky thing audio description it is just becoming more well-known now, and so yeah, the streaming services are starting to get on board, but a lot of them will sort of say, well, we don't have the budget, and I'm sure, like you say, the work you've done with, with the, your films, I'm sure you understand you know, these budget issues that can sometimes get in the way, <laughs> very often get in the way, uh, but of course it is an important thing to include in a movie a, um, featuring blind and low-vision people, yes. so of course. um, So, how's the film been received? Uh, What 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 are your plans with it going forward? Um, Where are you at with some of that?
2: the The film hasn't received well. I started like just local, local in New York City, just to get the word around, uh, at least locally, and then earlier this year, I really started to reach out to both. Uh, American Council for the Blind and NFB. Uh, it was screened at the convention uh, for American Council for the Blind and then after the convention with NFB. Both of those screenings were very um, successful, including the audio description. And um, you know, each each of those organization has state affiliates. So I was actually able to, um, go up to, I had two screenings in person, both in Buffalo. It just, you know, I I got, uh, invited to Buffalo this summer to do my first in-person screening. I accepted and it was really wonderful, uh, to get in-person feedback, especially, um, to do this during the pandemic. Cause I, did not want to wait until the pandemic was over to start distributing just because, you know, you don't, and because of the pandemic, you don't know, I didn't know when the pandemic was going to end. And I, you know, some people can use the pandemic as, as an excuse to to not work. And honestly, I had taken many a long time off from the project because you know, when you get your master's degree, that is a stressful process,
1: mm-hmm. and I
2: needed some. I needed some time to recover from that, and I was ready to re- to you know to do this um, you know journey, continue the journey, and the the pandemic happened, and I I was I'm still motivated to continue to work. And so I, I have to say that the virtual screenings ha- have been very successful, and I, I really would love to to um, work with different art organizations and art teacher organizations. On um, and the my actually it's my birthday weekend on the the fourteenth of November, uh, the Canadian Society for Education through the Art is having their annual conference online and we're going to be hosting the after party. We're going to be hosting a screening of the film oh. for that, uh, Canadian society for, uh, our education through art. And that's going to be really exciting. And, um, you know, I'm hoping, oh, wow. hoping to be able to have more virtual screenings since they've been very successful and, trying to find a, a DVD, um, distributing company. And, uh, you know, we're working on that. So I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, the future because the last year has been very successful.
0: That's all so positive. And I, I also read, was reading that straight off the canvas one got some awards, the winner of the impact doc awards, accolade yeah. global film awards and the uh-huh. Indie fest film awards for disability issues film. And also recently recipients of two communicator awards. So that's just so, so fantastic to see that you put so much work and time into this and, and it, and it, and you are getting recognized and you are getting, you know, noticed for this, for this piece of work, because it's just something that isn't talked about enough. And Carrie, this is really the first time that we've talked about art on this show and we're already over 130 shows here. So it's just something that just does get overlooked because I think, yeah, it's, Generally, people hear art, they assume visual and they assume you're blind. Well, that's not for you kind of thing. And that's still sort of a, a generalized opinion, I think from from a lot of a lot of the the public out there. So I just think this is so great to to bring more awareness.
1: yeah, and more and more and more art galleries are getting programs in there. Uh, and as somebody who discovered what you did in the art gallery and that question you initially asked yourself about how blind people might experience art, uh, visual art. That's great. Like that's what every art gallery, every art institution needs to be asking those questions. Absolutely. So it's great when you can get involved in like, there are, there are so many, like I say, education conferences, art conferences, accessible like so many crossovers that this film would totally apply with. So that's great too.
2: And the funny thing is that when in producing the the documentary that the challenge was, was like this, you know, museum accessibility is such a broad um, topic. How do you, you know, it it could be a, a documentary within itself. And so is like the topic of art therapy. Uh-huh. But um, just in, in covering, you know, Elizabeth's recovery from her injury and how she used art as her therapy, and then to to transition into an actual art therapist who works with kids. Um, it was really, uh, I, I think that the film doesn't go into the, the nuts and the bolts of how to execute the, uh, the getting museums to be accessible, but it's more of a just saying the fact that it should be accessible and, and here is a school that is not only teaching art, but they're having um, exhibitions for the, you know, the students and the community.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's great how you did do that, where the, the focus was on, was on Jessica Jones and, and Elizabeth throughout the, throughout the, the film, they were kind of the two main people, I yes. would say, but then, yeah, you brought in Sarah, the, the, the art therapist, and then and then you you did touch on the museum accessibility and all of these th- these things do tie together. So I do think that's great that you you mixed it up like that and did have that and leading into the to the therapy. I think that's really fascinating. I've as I mentioned earlier, I'm a musician, so I've heard a little, I've heard about music therapy and that's something that I think even for me and this is maybe not quite the same, but almost like throughout the pandemic, my love for music really got me through and and I do think all of these creative outlets are therapeutic for us and and but the actual study of art therapy and in my case I'm thinking about music therapy too but all of right. those things are interesting subjects that I would also like to learn more about so even just mentioning them in this in this documentary I think is great because you know maybe someone'll hear about that and be like oh I'd like to learn more about art therapy you didn't tell me t- too too much about it in the film you got I got a nice taste of it but I want to learn more so
2: yeah <laughs> yeah and and it was it wasn't e- each of those um, subjects wasn't easy to get into the classroom or the museum. Like, and it was, I got, I got a couple of stories um, with the art therapist, uh, she had, you know, I was all set to go into her classroom and I was, I was a little nervous about it cause it's like a therapy and, and you know, it's at a school. And like I'm I'm oh okay, we're ready to go. And then I got a call that um you know the shoot is canceled, uh the the school has uh changed their mind, and then they're not going well, I there's nothing I could do to convince them to let me into the classroom, but in negotiating, and that's the part that the scene that you had mentioned with the blocks, I was able to go into the classroom, but I couldn't shoot the kid, I couldn't film the kids. So mm-hmm. I had to find, you know, just keep the camera on her as she explained what she was doing in the classroom okay. um now with the museums it's really difficult to go into the museum with a camera and not have insurance so there's a lot of um, you know important steps you have to take in order for uh a museum to trust you when you're coming into their facility i understand completely but like I, I'm so grateful to Elizabeth because she's because I explained to her like I would love to go into the museum, but I'm young and I don't you know I have all this stuff. She's oh Anthony, I've been filming at the you know these museum for years. Here's the footage. Take what you want. <laughs> and you and and I I was looking through the footage and I found footage. That was in the classroom that they wouldn't let me in, <laughs> and and it was great because it it was shot in the classroom with kids in the classroom that I had shot the um I had filmed her with the blocks so it was really meant to be. <laughs> so basically, if somebody tells you no, doesn't mean that the story isn't over. You just have to find another way to, to tell a story that you want to tell.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's such a cool example because it it really shows when you have a vision for something and you you know how you want it to be and you want this to work but yeah, there's just certain things that, you know, you can't film certain people or they don't want this or that and and so it is it does take a lot of sort of adapting and figuring out, "Oh, how can I still get what I want if I can't do this or that?" So, you really do have right. to, you know, you have to sometimes make changes or or do what needs to be done to to still get it done the way you want and Right, I think that's something we all deal with with any sort of creative project at some point or another.
1: Actually, I thought a lot of questions now. Throwing in kind of out of the blue, sure. um, I did notice that you have one. I think only one, maybe, but uh, one shot of old footage narrated about a, a woman who's lost her sight. Yes. can you elaborate on that at all? About where you, that came from, or what, why you decided to include that? Or
2: absolutely. So um, the the uh, I. I Starting the documentary, I knew there had to be a seg- segment just going straight forward into a discussion about misconceptions, and just uh, you know showing exactly about this topic how how people don't perceive, they don't think about these subjects. Mm-hmm. So while I was in college, I was I wanted to do I did a, a I had to do a twenty page research paper about any subject that I wanted to do in media just to, to, you know, write about a a film. And uh, I really wanted to go into the history of how blind people were were perceived in film. So in order to do it, that type of paper, you have to go as far back into the first film that you could find in silent film so uh in my research i found uh, a film by the name of orphans of the storm directed by d.w griffith and there was so i chose that because it was really one of the first you know films featuring a blind character and basically you know she's she's you know helpless she's Uh, there's a part in the film where she almost falls into the ocean because she can't see that that the ocean's like a few feet away and she's about to, you know, fall off the cliff. Mm -hmm. But there was a specific point that I decided to keep, to have in the film was when she discovers that she's blind. And it, and the, basically a text that the audience reads is that her sister takes care of her like a helpless baby and through the power of editing i was able to fade out every single word in the text except for blindness and helpless baby and i felt like that was a really good introduction to the idea that you know for a hundred years on uh, in the media blind people have been perceived as being like helpless baby and now we're, through these interviews that's going to follow this we're going to basically give me a second here cuz I, I i have a ambulance in the background <laughs> all right new in york reality. city ladies and gentlemen, yes yes new reality <laughs> uh uh-huh. so i wanted to have this silent film just to show that there has been a history of misconceptions in media and now we're gonna shatter the. We're gonna shatter this this misconception in the next couple of moments.
0: Wow, powerful. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I think wasn't the film from 1921? So I think it was. Yeah, I think it was a hundred exactly, years ago. Exactly a hundred yep. years. Yeah, and that's right. That that's such an important thing to bring up because it really is. And yeah, your your documentary is like the total opposite, pretty much, of that film from a hundred years ago, where yeah, right. and that was the introduction of. To f- on film, there for for blindness in the media, and that it is perceived in this in this way of this helplessness and and these kind of things. That is, luckily, it's changing over time here. But it's uh, yeah, I, th- I thought that it, that was a really neat moment, and I think your description you did a great job there describing how the you know the, all the text faded away and the and those three words were left there the the blind helpless baby. So, yeah, gr- great great uh, great scene in in the dog. I
2: appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, little things like that stood out and caught my attention. And as I say, as someone who, who loved visual art from a young age, and I saw my older brother doing it, my sister, I wanted to be like them. Um, watching movies like this is inspiring because even though I've been out of the art world um, for a long time, sometimes believing that it's just not for me anymore. It's just to hear people still finding so much pleasure in it, no matter what, is great. And uh, yeah, that, the fact that you put all your hard work into this story is great.
2: I appreciate that. Um,
1: and you ended on COVID, which is pretty fitting, as we have sort of touched on already. Uh, I think it's, you know, it showed a lot about how kids were learning during um, lockdowns and things. And of course, a lot of kids do require hands on learning. And, yes. or, but either way, um, yeah, it was just a different learning environment. So it was great that you, is that why you included it, or you just wanted to be?
2: I, I initially. I'll be honest. I initially I I had ended it with the um, exhibition because I felt like that was uh, such a great ending, and then you'd have like the you know that last little montage at the end, and I started to you know distribute it because I really wanted it to be just a little on local television here in, in my hometown, and uh, basically the station said we love it but you need to add 10 minutes. And it's like, well, what? Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. You, say? you want me to, I, I've been working on this for 10 years. You want me to add 10 minutes? You know how long 10 <laughs> minutes are? All right, fine. We're going to, and, and I just, uh, we have, if we have to, I cannot change like anything except for the ending, because like, if I change one moment in any part of the film, it's going to throw off what's following it. Yeah so I had to you know it just made sense to find out where all of our cast members are right now um in in the covid situation so we made the most out of those 10 minutes and um it really just showed how each of them have adapted in in the quarantine and how you know the love for art doesn't change even in the world's um pandemic and but also that it it is going to have an effect on art museums and and right. um it it raises the stakes of the film in terms of the the impact of the film because now uh, another mission of the film can be or we get this out here to the to society and our goal really is to to help remind museums and these institutions that there's the American for Disabilities Act and, uh, you know, like we have to maintain what we had before the pandemic, you know, and, and grow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And of course, of course, how art can get us through something like a pandemic.
2: Absolutely.
0: Right. Yes. And that's why I touched on the music earlier, too, And that in my case, you know, music is ob- is an art as well. And, and that's one of the things, things that has really helped me get through the pandemic. So I think that does it is it's a good idea to include that as well, because it is very topical, obviously right now, um, of course, yes. and it also does it did tie things up um, quite well at the end I found. Um, so yeah, sometimes it's interesting when you, when you're creative and you're working on something for so long, and someone just kind of says, like, "Oh, just can you just add 10 more minutes or just do that like, "Oh, it's like it's nothing." And <laughs> it's the same with the music I find too, like sometimes people are just it, like, "Oh, just pick really do that so that. And, <laughs> They don't really know what the the process is of doing all that and all the work that maybe goes into it
2: sometimes or, or what whatever, but it's But it's just... I I had been editing it for so long, like I said, that you know, like I I couldn't touch anything you know in the middle or the beginning. It it had to be the end.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. So as we were sort of saying in break two, so this film, we've been talking all about it for those, uh, this last hour here on Outlook, and thanks everyone for tuning in, for our Canadian audience, our local London audience, and our, our more broad podcast. audience as a podcast. Um, and uh, can people, so where can people go to find more information if on this film?
2: Sure. Um, we have a... I'm still working on a website, but you can go to straightoffthecanvas.com or straightoffcanvas.com. It'll lead you to our social media. And uh, if you follow, you can follow us on Twitter and our handle is straight canvas. And uh, basically we are, you know, we'll have updates, uh, you know, on our social media. Like I said before, we, we are, uh, I am planning to. Be a part of the Canadian Society for Education Through Arts conference, which is on uh, the weekend of November thirteenth and November fourteenth, and we'll be doing the uh, film screening after uh, a couple of hours after the conference. And um, you know, if you're interested in screening the film, we you can definitely um, you know reach out to us because we're open to uh, collaborating and and the great thing about you know social media is that you know we can you know do these virtual events uh all over the the world is it's it's great
1: yeah, yeah no that's looking for the bright side of the pandemic for sure and and making it more accessible for for a bunch of people anyway is is making things virtual and having that option so it's easy to have a documentary um on these sort of platforms and still show people so Great. Well, maybe some of our listeners will be going to that conference and it makes me want to check it out more. Everybody follow Anthony Saldana on Twitter and we can follow the progress of this film going forward.
0: Absolutely. And we'll we'll share those links in the podcast notes so people can check them out there as well.
1: And thanks again. Thanks to Twitter and Max and uh, for <laughs> connecting with you and then uh, introducing us. Thank you so much, Anthony, oh, thank for coming you. On- Talking about thank you and
2: and you guys you guys are a part of the Canadian uh, Federation of the Blind.
1: Yeah, this show Sorry. was ins- was inspired by that. Yeah,
0: yeah, the organization here that we've just kind of got involved with the past three or four years here, so it's relatively new to us. But it is great to really okay. make those connections and, and get more involved in the community.
2: So,
1: yeah, we'll We're, definitely we'll share it with them for sure. Everybody over there,
2: definitely. I, I, you guys are doing a convention, right? Uh, definitely, twenty twenty two. Yeah. Fun.
1: Wow. No, I will. I will definitely actually keep you in mind uh, with for the meeting. Yeah, would be a
2: great speaker for sure in future
0: at a convention. So,
2: all right, I'm in. Count awesome. me in. I, uh.
1: Great,
0: awesome. Thanks well, so much. Great
1: to meet. Great to meet neighbors just in New York State there, and straight off the canvas. Everybody, check it out or check like check out more information on it. Thanks, Anthony.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Would you mind if I if I read the quote from the end of the documentary?
2: Oh yeah, do it. That's cool.
0: We are a community united by our art. Art is an expression of emotion that comes straight off the canvas. And it doesn't matter what sense you use to create it or to view it, art is a universal language for everyone to enjoy. Send us an email. Outlook on radiowestern at gmail.com Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB. And on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.